0: And welcome to episode 120 of the Kennedy-Mile Report. I'm Dennis Kennedy in St. Louis. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. In our last episode, we discussed the trend of giving up control of our technology to our technology. This time, we wanted to talk about another fascinating trend we both noticed and started to experience ourselves. Tom? What's on our agenda for this episode?
1: In this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, we'll be talking about the way some of us are starting to live in two or even more different technology worlds. In our second segment, we'll discuss uh, potentially disruptive car services like Uber. And as usual, we'll finish up with our parting shots, that one tip, website, or observation that you can start using the second this podcast is over. But first, let's get started on our main topic, and that is uh, living in two or more technology worlds. Uh, in, In the past, I think... Most of us used, this tended to use anyway, the same kinds of technology for everything. Windows laptop for work, Windows desktop at home, maybe BlackBerry for email, Mac users use Macs for everything. But BYOD, the cloud, the consumerization of technology has, has really started, I think, to blur the lines. And we're starting to see people, including you and me, Dennis, that use more than one technology platform to get work done. So, Dennis, do you want to start off this uh, topic by explaining what we mean by living in two or more tech worlds?
0: Yeah, I think that uh, you've sort of given a really good introduction to that. But I see it as it used to be that you would essentially, everything was all, not necessarily one brand, but sort of one platform and pretty consistent. And you made a choice, a clear choice. And there was sometimes some overlap. You know, a lot of people would use an iPhone or an iPad uh, with a Windows computer, but now I, I sort of see that I call it the "and not or" phenomenon. So we're actually doing both, say Windows and Mac. So my, you know, most of the time we Windows at work and a, a Mac at home. And you're, you're actually living in both worlds. So you use programs on each platform, you use computers on each platform, and you're going to find that in computers, in tablets, in phones, in browsers, that you're consistently using at least to what used to be considered competing platforms, you consistently use, sometimes simultaneously, but certainly in the same day, you'll be on both platforms. So that's a sense that we're using it in the attendant need to, to develop skills on several different platforms and to cope with the differences between them, essentially on a daily basis.
1: Yeah, I agree that that's how things have come. And I think we're not just talking about Mac and Windows. We're talking about iOS and Android. We're talking about the fact that we have multiple browsers. I know that that I keep a copy of Internet Explorer on my computer, but I tend to use Google Chrome most of the time for any browsing that I've got. We haven't really mentioned the other operating systems that people are using. So there's Chrome OS that people who use Google are using. There's the Firefox OS, which I'm not sure. I don't know who's using that. You've got Linux. Uh, You've got the open source. And then I think we're also talking about software, different versions of software on different platforms. We're talking about using different programs that might accomplish the same thing on different devices. My favorite recent example of this is with Microsoft Office. As I've mentioned here on the podcast, recently changed my desktop computer to a Mac. I have an iMac now. I really like it. I like using it a lot. And my goal has been to do just about as much as I can in mac os rather than run windows although i'm running parallels on my mac so i can access windows program but i use microsoft office 365 i really like it i like how it's always being updated for me and uh, i don't have to worry about downloading new versions i have used it on a windows laptop and, and really liked it and so i decided to download the mac version here when i realized probably a little naively that the mac version of office is two years behind the Windows version of Office, and I was sitting there looking at a version of Office that I haven't really looked at in a couple of years, and it wasn't a pleasant experience. So I immediately installed Parallels on my Mac, put uh, Office 2013 on there, and really like using that particular program. So I I think that you're going to find that you use different things on different platforms because they just don't happen to do the same thing. That Microsoft is involved and available on both platforms, but the experience is vastly different, and you may have completely different experiences when you use those types of things.
0: Yeah, and your example is a good one. And your approach to the issue is different than mine. So you said, well, I'll go to the newer version of Word and I'll use Parallels and essentially use the Windows version. I sort of transition back and forth. And so I always feel like when I'm on my Mac, because I use the, the Office for Mac version of Word... You know, so I sort of feel like I'm stepping back in time a little bit and, you know, I don't see things at the same place. The commands are a little different, that sort of thing. And I I just sort of adjust to it because it's not that significant to me because how I use a word processing program is essentially to write. And so in some ways, I could probably get by with a text editor. So I don't have sort of essential features that would cause me to say I need to use, you know, something like Parallels to run Word because I need to do certain features or have complex documents. So that can be part of your decision. And I, I think there are a number of things, Tom driving this. And, and so you may find that you own certain licenses and it's expensive to get a Mac version. You may find that there are programs that you want to use or services that you want to use that you're not allowed to install on a work computer for the most part, it seems like there's good overlap in apps between the Android and the iOS world, but there can be some significant differences there. So, not all of this I think is uh, totally by choice, but uh, but it, it does seem like it's it's. Uh, It's really a growing trend. I don't know, Tom, should we, I guess maybe we should talk about each of our different sort of multiple tech universes these days. And I think I'll ask you to start sort of describe the different platforms, devices that you use uh, at this point and maybe how that's changed.
1: Well, I've always been, and I can remember just a couple of years ago when I I remember at ABA Tech Show to see all the Mac people ridiculing all the non-Mac people and sort of feeling both defensive and bothered by all of that. I've been a Windows person forever and ever and ever, and I suppose that a certain part of me will always be comfortable and have no problem working in Windows. That said, that's what I use for work. That's what my company uses. I don't really have a lot of choice in terms of using a Windows computer because I primarily live in a Microsoft world, and and it just makes sense to have that computer and that laptop working with me. Recently, as I said, moved to the Mac because it was something I wanted to try. I haven't had a Mac that I've used, and uh, it was a good choice. It was a good decision. I will talk a little bit more about the challenges and advantages of doing that in just a little bit, but I've enjoyed doing that. When it comes to mobile devices, again, I was an iOS person forever, an iPad and an iPhone, and I really enjoyed that. Now, I've branched off into the Android world, so I'm really living, I guess, in three different worlds. Uh, If we're talking about major, major operating system platform, Android, iOS, maybe four, we consider Mac OS and then Windows, I've got four different worlds. And we'll talk in a little bit about what's changed and what makes that more possible than ever before. But I guess before we do that, Dennis, tell us kind of what your what your worlds are, I would guess that they are somewhat similar.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that I sort of go back a really long, really, really long way to the first time I was using Mac. And then it was Windows because Windows dominated the legal world so much. And now I just really feel like I'm ambidextrous and have been for a long time in in sort of the, the PC platform. But more recently, it's to coalesced for me to say, Here's my work world, and here's my personal world, and my and so the personal side of things has sort of really consciously decided to go all Apple in that approach, and in the work world, I've gone the Windows and Android approach, and you know, there's any number of reasons, but but definitely because I had a choice on this, I went the Android route on the phone because I felt that there was this whole range of devices and apps and stuff that I had no exposure to, and as by writing and speaking about technology, it felt like a real gap. So it made sense, and and then also gave me that way to to really. Put a line between what's personal and what's work, and and I don't know that that's a good choice for everybody. It's I know a lot of people just shake their heads when I say how I have sort of set up that division between things, but that's sort of the approach that I've taken. I use almost all the browsers on a regular basis, you know, so Chrome, Safari, Internet Explorer, every now and then Firefox, and so I'll use a number of programs in a lot of different ways, and so part of that is, I think, who I am to one extent, and also that given what I write about, what I speak about, and what I do, that it's just good to have exposure to all those things. So I sort of feel that I have some choice in this, but in, in some ways I don't have, you know, like a total freedom in all that I do to say I can do this one place or the other. So maybe we should talk a little bit about that time. Like, why would you choose to live in two or more kind of different tech worlds or is there really a choice because you know sometimes especially on software versions if you buy a new home computer you might have a newer version of software than you're using at work and stuff like that and so you sort of get in this two or more worlds uh universe almost accidentally so i don't know tom choice not a choice or how does it typically start for people
1: Well, I think it's definitely a choice, and I will say I struggled when we talked about doing this as a topic, because since I see it as a choice, since I see that a lot of our listeners can decide, yep, well, I'm happy where I'm living, I'm happy with the technology worlds I'm living in, and I'm not going to change, then click, turn this podcast off and don't listen to it anymore, and and I think that it kind of comes down to what you talk about. I think to a certain extent, we're a little bit different, we like to stay up and current with what's going on in different areas of technology, and I know that most of our listeners or many of our listeners aren't going to feel the same way or the same need to do that. So I guess I'd put it in terms of, again, we say this a lot on our podcast, is finding a solution for a need that you have. I know that a lot of homes have gone to putting Macs in their homes because they work better. The one thing that I notice about the iMac, the same as the iPad, is sort of just this it just works kind of thing. I don't have the same issues with it that I have with a Windows device. It's a lot more complicated than an iPad, but Apple doesn't want you to think that. Apple wants you to think that it all just works, and it all just works just fine. So I think that... We've been seeing people go to that more because it fills a need that people have to do certain things and to do them easily, to accomplish certain tasks that they want to, whether it's in creative things, creating movies or, or video or, or anything like that, pi- pictures, those types of things. When it comes to work, I think that uh, if you're a solo and small firm, you definitely have that choice. If you The bigger the firm you have, the less choice that you have to do it. And I think that's where sort of the bind comes in is that if you're in a place where, your technology is dictated to you where truly byod is not encouraged then you have a certain amount uh less choice than than you would otherwise but i really do think that to a certain extent it's choice and so i guess that part of my question throughout the rest of this segment is going to be why would we choose to be so crazy and to live in so many different worlds and what are the advantages what's changed to make it happen that sort of thing what for you why would you make that choice to do it
0: Well, I think there's a number of drivers. And I think if you've looked at things, you would find in a lot of cases, it's kids. You know, your kids are driving. Some of this because they want an iPad or they want an iPhone. They want a Mac. They're using a Mac at school. That gets the the Apple devices into your house, and then things may build from there. Sometimes you may find, and I think this will be the case soon, in two areas. With you may be perfectly happy with the BlackBerry, and then find that your firm is switching away to something else, and they may give you a choice: an iPhone or or Android. You know, your plan could come up, and you're looking at new phones. You might move to one place or another. I think probably, and this may be a topic for a future episode, Tom, in a couple of months, I mean, Windows XP is at end of life period. And if you're using Windows XP, you know, on that day or the day after, you probably are vulnerable to outside attacks. So you're going to make a change. And so you may rethink, you know, your approach to computers. And again, it could be spouse could be children but that may move you probably toward you know the Apple world uh, a lot of interest in the Windows phone the Windows surface tablet that may push you in another direction you know philosophically or cost-wise you might start to look at open source just because it's free or you may say i'm Committed to certain software platform, but when you say I have to buy, you know, new licenses, that may push you in, in a different direction. And Then I also think two other quick things quickly. Tom, I, I think that compatibility issue that used to be such a barrier in the past, where you say, "Oh, well, if I'm on a Mac, I can't." I can't do the same things. I can't transfer data, file formats are different. That's really essentially gone. So that compatibility issue has gone away. And then the whole cloud computing thing, because a lot of things we're doing over the internet, through services, and it just flat out doesn't matter uh, what we choose as a device or a platform to accomplish the things that we can do over the cloud. So I, I think all of those things kind of drive some of this, but also give us that flexibility and choice and freedom to try different things So that's one thing. And then you can sort of fit, as you said, Tom, both what fits the job that you want to do and what you like, you know, what you like the look of, how much you want to spend, that sort of thing, what those choices say about you.
1: I really think that the cloud has been a huge difference on this type of issue. It makes it so much easier for devices to synchronize with each other now that the compatibility and you can look at the same documents no matter what platform you're looking at. Most of my services can talk to me no matter what platform I use. So I can get most everything done on any device that I happen to use. And I think that's a huge change uh, over the past couple of years, something that we hadn't previously been able to do. I will say, kind of as a little side thought, you mentioned Windows Phone and Surface Tablet. I've been, you know, I I probably watch more TV than is healthy for me, but I've noticed a lot of television shows lately that have been prominently featuring the Windows Surface tablet. All the actors in it, that's what they use to pull up something or to look at something on the internet or pull up the plans for the factory that they're getting ready to go and assault in some secret agent show. But I will say yesterday was about I think the first time I have ever seen someone in the wild with a Windows Surface tablet other than at ABA tech show, just someone, some regular person on a plane with a tablet. I'll be interested to see how that market share changes with this ad campaign. I'm sorry, that was just a little random side thought that I had been uh, holding since yesterday. I wanted to talk real quickly about whether there are advantages or disadvantages to being multi-platformed. For me, I can think of really two, you know, one advantage, one disadvantage. At first, I'd thought that there really is not a you know, I wouldn't think of operating in multiple platforms in terms of advantages, but I think that if there was an advantage, I would say that it's the freedom to choose what you want to use, that the technology is less of a barrier to doing what you prefer with the technology that you prefer to do it with. I use an Android phone because I like the customization better than the iPhone. I use a Mac desktop at home because I like using it better. It just works better than a Windows computer. I like having that freedom, and to me, that's the biggest advantage, I think, of using multiple platforms. If there's a problem, for me anyway, I think the biggest problem, the biggest disadvantage is in learning how to use each of the different platforms. If you stick to one platform, then you can be sure that it's going to work the same as pretty much no matter which device you tend to use. There are a lot of differences, although I will say that it has not been as hard to pick up using the Mac as I thought that it would be. There are many... Uh, similarities between Mac and Windows, at least in terms of how a lot of things work that uh, have made it easy for me to deal with. But I would say that if you're the type of person who finds it hard to learn about just one platform, uh, then then multiple tech worlds may not be the right thing for you. Dennis, what do you think about that? Advantages, disadvantages?
0: Yeah, a couple of things, and then I also I just had to comment on what you were noticing on TV is that I do notice that, too, that those Windows Surface tablets seem to show up on every single police show. And I suspect if you walked into most police stations, you wouldn't see nearly as many of those devices. But it is interesting to see the placement they've gotten and how distinct that interface is that you can see that. So I agree with you, Tom, that it does give you choice, and that you can try things that you know really appeal to you for whatever reason, I think in my case, and, and again, I, I think I'm you know fairly unique in this. I really like the fact that I can divide personal and work, and there are there you are know, some reasons you know, given the security requirements and other things associated with my work that it, it's great to say there's no overlap, and the fact that there can be no overlap drives some of my decisions, but I've found that to be an advantage. And the other advantage, I think, is that I think it makes you sort of a a little bit less obsessive about your technology. You're talking about, you know, like learning all these different things. I think because you can kind of work in both places, you can kind of say, I don't have to know everything. There's sort of good enough that will get things accomplished. You sort of appreciate, you know, what you're trying to accomplish and there's different ways to do it. So I think that's a plus. You know, the the problems can be that, you know, it does plus and minus here, but it does drive you to the cloud because you do take the risk that you you've done something one place and that's not what you have available to you or with you, uh that sort of thing. You may find some things that don't work exactly the same or, or like I said, you may find that there's you want know, to use a certain app that's only available on one platform or another, or you have things in different different places. So there's this sort of proliferation that can easily happen to you that you got to take some care with. And also, I think you do find a few quirks that will sometimes disorient you a little bit. But the example with the word thing, as you move between, you know, different versions is tricky. You know, so, things can be in different places than you expect. Then Mac as you scroll and the touch thing also does some different things. And the Mac when you scroll and I always forget which way it goes. But you push up and then on Windows you're pulling down to scroll. And if you move between devices sort of quickly, you can kind of confuse yourself and say well, what's happening? This isn't scrolling cuz you're going the wrong way. Mac has a few quirks on using the backspace as opposed to delete and right-clicking is, once you learn it, it's not a big deal, but it can be sort of tricky on Mac. And, you know, Windows, Windows 8, you know, trying to find what you think is the start menu can be tricky. So there are some other things, but I actually think that a lot of the stuff makes you just a little bit more versatile and a little Sort of less compulsive about your technology in a way. I I think it gives you uh, some good flexibility that's helpful in the long run.
1: Yeah, although I have to say, Dennis, when you're saying that working in multiple platforms make us less obsessive, all I can think about is the 800-page O'Reilly missing manual that I got on, on Mac that I am obsessively pouring through because I'm trying to learn. And I have to say that just good enough on some of these, I'm probably aiming for a little higher than that. So uh, I don't know that that exactly uh, fits for all of us. I guess let's wrap up this section. Any tips, uh, predictions, conclusions? My biggest tip is kind of a, repeating what I said a second ago, which is, you know, if you really want to work on other platforms, make sure that you learn about it. Get some resources. I mentioned the, the Missing Manual series from O'Reilly. It's fantastic. You can use it as a teaching aid, or you can use it just as a reference tool to dip into whenever you need help on dealing with it. You know, But no matter what you use, I would say, don't just dive into it. Don't just try it out because I think you'll find that you're more frustrated with a new platform than not. Get some books. Get some resources that can help you out with that. As for predictions, I think that lawyers will begin to use more platforms. I think that everyone will. I don't think lawyers are special in this regard. I think that as the platforms become irrelevant to each other, I think that the differences become uh, meaningless, then uh, I think more of us are going to be using those platforms and multiple platforms more often. Dennis, want to take us out to the next segment? Yeah, I just
0: wanted to say that I think that my best tip is to be consistent in your choices in a given location or, you know, a different approach. So if you start to go Apple in the home, be consistent across that because it's hard, it can be hard to get everything connected in the way you want and be consistent and kind of support the different items in your house. And my prediction is that we'll see more of this because I think it's going to be cloud driven. So the fact that we're doing more and more on the internet through these cloud services, that becomes the focus. That's what sort of Chrome OS is all about. And I think that the use of those sort of cheap internet connected computers will only grow. So I, I think we'll, we'll see more of this, but not because it's a manufacturer device driven, but because it's cloud driven and the application to you know, being on the internet and using internet services will really drive that.
1: Before we move on to our next segment, let's take a quick break for a message from our sponsor.
0: visit www.servenow.com. We're glad you're listening to Legal Talk Network. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, too.
1: And now let's get back to the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. Tom and I just
0: returned from the ABA mid-year meeting in a very cold Chicago in February. There was clearly one technology that everybody we knew were talking about, and it got everybody's attention. In part, that might have been because nobody really wanted to walk around in sub-zero cold, and getting around by car or cab was essential. So the topic everybody was talking about was Uber, and people were generally excited. Tom, you started some of the buzz about Uber. So would you start us off on the subject
1: of uh, Uber? I'm amused a little bit that it was a subject of interest because it's something I've been using here for a while now and I have to remind myself that not everybody is in a place where Uber is automatically available and frankly here in Dallas I don't use it but I use it a lot when I travel because it is so convenient the reason why we did it in Chicago was not only because it was so cold but the hotel we were staying in every night had a taxi stand wait line that was easily 40 or 50 feet long there were dozens of people waiting for cabs and so uh, I've used Uber for a number of months now to get a cab. You just pull it up the app on your phone, either Android or, or iPhone. Don't know if it's available for Windows or Blackberry, but it shows you a map. It shows you cars in the neighborhood. You say, I'd like a car right now. You actually have a choice whether you want a, a black car from Uber or you can get an SUV or you can get something slightly less nice and it affects the cost. The minute you hit hire a car, that car is on the way to you. And Dennis, you were with me that one time. It takes probably four or five minutes and a car shows up and you, whisks you away. Way You've got all of your information in the system so that when you get to where you're going, there's no haggling with money, there's no tipping, there's no nothing. You just pay on your account. It shows up on your phone and you're good to go. I find it tremendously useful when I happen to be traveling. I think that the one issue that I have with that is one that you'll find in the news and that is the idea of what they call surge pricing, which uh, happens when there's lots of traffic, when there's lots of demand for the cars, when the weather is especially bad. I experienced it once this past weekend in Chicago when we had surge pricing and they they multiplied the cost by a factor of one and a half so we paid a little bit more for the ride but to be able to be there in convenience to have a car there within two or three minutes and to not have to wait too long I think is worth a little bit extra and frankly from an economic standpoint it makes sense that they raise the price when demand is greater although there are a lot of other services it's not just Uber that's out there there's a service called Lyft, Taxi Magic there's some others coming out that hope to offer a service like Uber for uh, what they call the other 99 percent which I thought was a little amusing. But I think that this is an interesting uh, new area that we're coming where you can uh, hire a car with your phone uh, and manage the whole process with a mobile device. Dennis, uh, what was your experience like?
0: Well, it was great because we were running a little late for our reservation and there was just this gigantic line waiting for cabs. And you said, I'm going to Uber it. And I love the fact that it's a verb already. It's a verb now. And, <laughs> and so you did that. And a map showed up. And you said, here's our car. And we could see it coming to the hotel. And we could see when it got there. And we walked out in front of all these people standing in line like we were some kind of celebrities and hopped into this super nice car. And it took us to the restaurant and it automatically paid. I thought one of the cool things was that since you had already paid for it, you felt generous and didn't ask us to chip in, you know. So that was that was even better. But I noticed no payment that happened in the car, no need to tip. Everybody was happy. And it's sort of like exactly what you would hope the cab experience would be. And we talked about how You know, it was probably more expensive by a little bit if we had gotten a cab, but not that much. But for the convenience, it was awesome. And then our ride back was even better because when I'm in a different city and people go out to a restaurant and you're saying, oh, I don't know what neighborhood I'm in and how do I get a cab and will the restaurant call it or do I get to go out on the street and hope some cab goes by – you again ordered up a car and we waited right by the door and this uh, Lincoln Town car drove up and we said, that's our car. And we went out and, and it was so cold out there and just hopped in the car and they <laughs> took us right back to the hotel. And and again, like once once we were done, got out of the car, you were in the hotel, you get this sort of online receipt saying that you'd paid for it. And it was so smooth and easy and you said wow this just feels like you said that sort of apple feeling sometimes where you go wow this just worked and i'm, I'm sure there's upsides and downsides and our experience was really good but you said this is a great alternative you know where it's available to that sort of traditional approach of hailing a cab. So uh, I was very impressed and other people were trying it and somebody else that uh, went went to dinner another night with you came back. We're, we're just like a raving fan of Uber. So uh, very interesting. As you said, Thomas, you got to be in the cities where it's at, but it's, it's something that if I'm in one of those cities, i definitely have to try it was the first app I downloaded once I got home
1: well and, and I'll say I've tried other apps in cities where uber isn't there there's an app called taxi magic that works approximately on the same same principle except it hires a, a cab for you and it's usually a yellow cab company that, that it's affiliated with I will say that the service depends on the company that you're with uh, the taxi magic has worked well sometimes but not well other times for some reason the uber experience is more professional it's easier in the end taxi magic. You're still working with a taxi company, and I think that there are problems associated with that. A number of cities are having problems with Uber. I know Dallas here had some real problems because the taxis have a particularly strong lobby with our city council, and and we're able to pass some legislation that made it very difficult for Uber to actually operate in town. Uh, I think it is a what we would call a disruptive service that is coming in to interrupt both taxis and limos in most of these cities, and I'm very interested to see where this goes in the future. I, I think it's a a great and interesting service. And, and I, I like the competition with new services that are coming up and hope that they do nothing but improve in, in the years to come.
0: Yeah, Tom, I think that it's interesting both as the uh, potential example of a disruptive technology and also the the other feature of it that we didn't mention that's cool is that you can see the ratings of the driver in the car that you're thinking about grabbing. So that can be useful and alleviate some of your concern about like who the heck is picking you up. So
1: keep in mind, and this is one thing that people may have a problem with, is that the drivers can also rate you as well. And I'm not sure as whether or not that gives them the ability to, pass on you. If they see that you're out there and you have a poor rating, I think they can choose not to come and pick you up. So uh, uh, just be aware if you're an Uber user, be a good passenger because they're rating you the same as you can rate them.
0: Hmm, Maybe that doesn't do away with the need to tip. (laughs) So now it's time for our parting shots, that one tip, website, or observation that you can use the second this podcast ends. Tom, take it away.
1: The past couple of weeks have seen some really interesting apps come out for reading the news. Uh, The first one came up a a number of weeks ago, and it's the Yahoo News Digest. Right now it's only available for iPhone, although I have it on my iPad in expanded mode. It comes out with a news digest twice a day, eight in the morning, six at night, between seven and 10 stories. And they've curated the stories. They provide a little summary of what the story is. They show some Wikipedia entries to give you a little background. They show a map, a Google map of where you are. They will give you some Twitter posts on it to see what people are saying on Twitter. Really interesting way of just a little bit of a newspaper on the top stories of that part of the day. Free to use great app, hoping and waiting for it to expand to other devices other than just the iPhone. The other one, though, is it came out this past week. It's Facebook Paper. And lots of tech experts are saying that this may become your only app for using Facebook. And I'm not quite there yet, but I really like how it looks. It also is only an iPhone app. What it allows you to do is to get your Facebook feed, but to also to create kind of a customized newspaper that you want uh, based on a number of preset topics, news and sports and technology and acute category and an LOL category for something that's funny. It has kind of a flipboard feel, but it's a better than flipboard feel, so it creates a little news magazine for you. Really, really sharp, nice app that they've got. Also free to use. Hope it comes out for both the iPad and and Android as well. I'm looking forward to that. But uh, really interesting ways to look at and view the news coming out these days.
0: I have a podcast episode that I really like. I listen to
1: a podcast fairly often
0: by Scott Hanselman called Hanselman. It's H-A-N And SEL minutes, and that's at hanselminutes.com. And he usually covers really technical topics, but the most recent one, episode number 409, is called Model View Culture, a new media platform covering technology, culture, and diversity. And he's talking with uh, Amelia Greenhall and Shanley Kane about the launch of a media company called Model View Culture, which is a pretty cool website. But a lot of the discussion goes into uh, the issues faced by marginalized groups. Uh, that means women, that means minorities, sexual orientation, disabilities, and other groups that aren't standard white male groups and what they run into these days in tech. And how that's going to be addressed by this site, which is pretty cool. But the discussion that Scott has with them, both from their side and his side of trying to deal with diversity and how that's handled in tech and in speaking, um, just really hit home for me. And I think is really a fascinating discussion that a lot of people should hear. I mean, I struggle lately and, and this year I'm sort of vowing not to find myself in The situations of, you know, being at a a seminar or on a panel where it's all a bunch of middle-aged white guys like me, because we need to open things up. But the discussion on both sides of that issue by Scott and his guests is totally worth hearing by everyone. So I thoroughly recommend that.
1: So that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Information on how to get thus, as well as links to all the topics we discussed today is available on our show notes blog at tkmreport.com. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes or on the Legal Talk Network site. You can get to the archives of all of our previous podcasts in both places as well. If you have a question you want answered or a topic for an upcoming podcast, please email us at tkmreport at gmail.com or send us a tweet at TKM Report. So until the next podcast, I'm Tom Mile.
0: And I'm Dennis Kennedy. And you've been listening to the Kennedy Mile Report, a podcast on legal technology with an internet focus. Help us out by rating this podcast or writing a review on iTunes. Thanks for listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. Check out Dennis and Tom's book, The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, Smart Ways to Work Together, from ABA Books or Amazon.